0: Well, Dr. Rob, this is Mindful Conversations. It is. This is where I get to be your servant. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And we get to talk about some really cool topics.
1: Yes, we are. Today's
0: today's topic is really cool. What is it? Watch. Boing. I love that.
1: I'm glad you like it.
0: Yeah. Today's conversation Is what I like to consider the gut, the butt, the bug, and the brain.
1: Nice. (laughs) Sounds like we're going to talk a little dirty.
0: Dirty talk. PG-13 dirty. Okay. We won't go beyond that. Okay. But we're going to be talking about the gut and the butt and the brain.
1: Don't forget the bug.
0: And the bug. The bugs that are in the gut. There's a lot of them in there. Now, you and I are not experts. No, we're not. On this
1: topic. However, we we do have an expert with us. It just so happens we have an expert with us.
0: Would you like to introduce our our guest that's actually in the
1: studio? Dr. Deanne Heyman. 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 There we
0: go. Heyman. What's my last name? Heyman. (laughs) 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 Dr. Deanne, welcome to Mindful Conversations. Thank you. We're glad you're here.
2: I am glad to be here. I'm excited to uh, talk with everyone today.
1: This is an interesting topic. This is an interesting topic. Hugely important.
0: I did not have a lot of understanding about this topic until really, Dan, you started to, um, I don't know how many years ago, you started to get eyes on this Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the work that you do in your job and maybe... Um, why don't we start there? Just maybe let our listeners know a little bit about what you do.
2: Yeah, I uh, get the opportunity work for the Kellogg Company, um, and have worked there over twenty five years actually, but have spent it all developing new products and new foods for consumers.
0: Mm-hmm. A shameless plug for Pop Tarts. She's the creator of the technology of this of the swirl.
2: Yeah, the wild berry Pop Tart.
0: Wild berry Pop Tart. Oh, nice. Yeah, many
2: many years ago. Raspberry, wildberry, wildberry. Yeah, it's got crazy colored Kaboom. icing on it. It's still around.
0: It's still it's still twenty years later. Twenty years later. It's amazing. That's but, nice. But you've got your um, your undergrad in food science, masters and PhD in grain science, mm-hmm. and so you're a food scientist. Yes. At heart, you yeah. love science. I do I do and. Um, when did this particular topic hit your radar screen in regard to the, the gut and its importance to what you do, but also the connection to the brain?
2: Yeah, well, first on the radar screen, probably several years ago, right, um, there's always been a great understanding of fiber and its role in food. and But most people know it about, you know, regularity, how often you poop, and it's not a very sexy thing to talk about. <laughs> it's like something you talk about for your grandparents, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, of which we are not, of course. Um, and, uh, but the understanding of the role of food in the body and how your body takes in nutrition has changed over the last, it's probably been emerging over the last 10 to 20 years, Mm -hmm. you know, but really come into the sense of nutrition and how people are formulating foods, Probably in the last five to 10 years.
0: So really, not all that long ago. This is really kind of new. It's very recent. This is new Mm -hmm. science or new research. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Absolutely. And so
0: today's episode um, is really going to talk about the correlation between what's in our gut Mm -hmm. and how it affects the rest of our body, but specifically the connection to the brain. Yes. And so we're going to talk about that. Um, We're going to talk about what maybe you, if you're listening, what you might be able to do specifically with some of the things that we're going to talk about. Um, and so just hang with us while we go through this uh, conversation, and hopefully something will resonate with you. So let's start out with the basics. You know, what are the basics to the, the gut and the brain? This technical word, microbiome. Dr. D, what's, what is the microbiome?
2: The microbiome is essentially all the bugs and the bacteria that exist on your body, right? You so see, you have a skin microbiome, um, and you have an internal microbiome as well. And what we're going to talk about today is your gut microbiome. So essentially, what's going on in your stomach, through your intestines, um, small and large intestine, and then what passes out. <laughs>
1: so it's it's everything that goes in and comes out. That, sorry, is so that that's correct? that's
2: the gut. And then the, all the bugs are living really all even through your stomach and through all of your intestines. And so you said earlier there's a lot of them. There are. There's trillions of them. Amazing. And, and of all different kinds, and that's a lot of what the research is of av- is around, is understanding the bugs and their role, what they do.
1: Mm-hmm. And they're living inside of us.
2: Yes. Yeah. Not paying a, rent. No, there is a living community of organisms inside your well, body. Well,
0: they, they say there's trillions.
2: Yes, there are trillions.
0: I wish I had that kind of money. <laughs> <laughs> if I you can't you had even a get my head around it. <laughs> so we're, we're talking about basically bacteria living in your gut and mm-hmm. what its function is. I'd, I'm not speaking for everyone that's listening, but this is not something that I thought about. I would most yeah. often think about, like I said in episode two, I like food, tacos. But I don't think in terms of my what's inside. I just know I eat pizza, and it makes me feel good.
1: Yeah, and there's the connection with the behavioral scientists. They've been looking at how diet and food connect to our emotions and yes. our brain.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they believe that. So if you think about, you're actually feeding the bugs. So everything you eat feeds the bugs in your body. So it's not like really you eating eating it it's the bugs eating it That's amazing and and they behave well when they get good food and when they don't they don't behave well and and the good good bugs grow when you eat good food this is this is kind of a generalization but good bugs grow when you eat good food and bad bugs grow when you eat bad food
0: mm. okay you know we had dinner last night uh, we use a, a service called sun baskets And um, we get about seven meals a week, and it comes on Tuesdays. And the nice thing about this particular service is all of the ingredients come individually packaged, and they're all fresh. There's no processes, really, in any of the ingredients. And then we put the meal together. And so last night, we had this salmon dish, so fresh salmon. Um, And then we had lentils with the what's it called the mirepoix how do you pronounce the mirepoix mirepoix, which is basically pepper onion celery celery you know sauteed in olive oil and the lentil and salt and pepper and real simple what we would call clean and i always notice that when i eat meals like that like a fresh fish the the lentils or maybe steamed broccoli whatever that might be I know that my body feels good when I eat it. Like, while I'm eating it and then after I eat it, I feel good. Mm -hmm. But if I eat, let's say, pizza, again, a little plug for Penfield Pizza, I really like it when I'm eating it, but afterwards, I don't feel so good.
1: I think there is a huge connection between how we eat and how we feel.
2: Yeah, there is, There is and... and Matt mentioned this the, 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 gut right the gut and the and the brain there's a gut brain axis and so there's a lot of a lot of folks out there doing research now. Um, one some studies specifically going on around um the Mediterranean diet so kind of what Matt just talked about um, eating fit, uh, lean meat like fish or lentils and beans and um, green leafy vegetables and how that kind of a diet. Um, uh, impacts depression and mood um, and improves it, essentially, Improves, improves that. So there's a thought around how the bugs consume the food and what the bugs produce when they're inside your intestine goes into the, uh, the wall of the intestine and signals to the rest of your body to produce certain, I think you guys understand it perhaps better than I do, but the neurotransmitters are these chemicals that affect your brain in a positive or, or maybe your mood in a negative way. Um, even serotonin that affects your mood. Um, the bugs are able to signal the production of serotonin or even perhaps control it. So there's evidence building that suggests that.
1: That's
0: amazing.
2: It's
1: and pretty it's cool. Kind of amazing.
2: Yeah. And what is
0: important, I think, to state here is the American diet is mostly concerned with losing weight. Like, it's February. I'm going to be going to the beach in, in March. I need to look good because it's not about being good. It's about looking good. Totally. So <laughs> I go on a crash diet. <laughs> right? Yeah. If I could just look like you, Dr. Rob. Right. Right. So if I can go on a crash diet, lose this weight and then look good, then I am going to feel like Mm -hmm. really good about myself. But that doesn't mean I did something to make my body feel good. No, I think I look good, but I might feel horrible. So we have a diet mentality in the West. We don't eat for wellness. No, Mm. we eat to deal with body image issues or emotions or oh that's we're going to talk about that later but huge topic yeah Yeah. emotional
1: eating it's it's interesting I don't know if this is an accurate understanding but to your point Matt it's a little bit like we settle for the the pseudo or the fake as opposed to eating authentic and what I heard you say is the Mediterranean diet there's research on that that seems to regularly support the wisdom of a diet yes that particular diet Yep. Yep. okay
2: and that's pretty much like the mediterranean diet is just it's just a great example of plant-based eating and lean meat eating so anytime you're gonna eat more plants it's a good thing
0: Mm -hmm. excellent and so as we go forward um let's let's go into the important things for this conversation that our listeners can start to understand. So we're going to start talking about kind of the origin, you know, how did we get here? We're going to talk about, like we said, a moment ago, emotions, how, what we eat, how our biome, how our gut causes us to feel certain emotions. What's the cost of doing this? And then ultimately what's your next step? What could you do with this? And so let's start out with how did we get here? You know, if the microbiome is so important today, regarding emotional health or performance, sleep, disease, or other quality of life issues. How come we're just now hearing about this?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Well, if I think about how people have come to understand probiotics, it's probably been the best way that that most people today understand your microbiome and how to improve it. And um, so a lot of that has been through people using probiotic supplements, So I think that's in a positive way. It's taught uh, people about, you know, you do this, consume this. This is good for your microbiome, um, for your microbiome health. So I think the growth of probiotics has helped people understand that. And the research has always been, the research, like I said, has been building um, over time. And I think, and you guys will know this too, there's um, the emerging... Body of, I think, diagnoses of of emotional states or mental conditions, right? Depression, anxiety, um, and how our society seems to be um, drifting in that direction, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I think understanding there's that emerging um, cause, if you will, and then I think um, we're going to talk about this in a little bit. But there's some research being done where there's a lot of doctors who understand. Um, emotions and mood and they were very in an interesting way starting to link as they talked to their patients and they were finding out more about either their childhood experiences what happened to them but also their diet and how they felt how are you eating oh and well I'm I'm constipated and I don't feel very good and so they started to make this link between what some of their patients were eating and their their moods
1: so you have you have the your discipline in the food sciences, the medical discipline, and then the behavioral discipline. Mm-hmm. Those researchers are all kind of looking at the same thing
2: there. roughly around the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Just all starting to emerge and connect. And so it's very yeah. cool.
0: Yeah. Speaking of the different disciplines, I am referencing today a book um, entitled The Mind-Gut Connection uh, by a medical doctor. Um Imran Mayer. So he's written this book. He's also written, uh, Dean said earlier that he's written another book that is coming uh, out in a few months, coming out in a few months, but this is a great book, how the hidden conversation within our bodies impacts our mood, our choices and our overall health. And so there is a multidisciplinary approach to this. Mm -hmm. We should all be interested in this, especially with this next question. Dr. D., can you help us understand, because you're on the food science part of this, sure. um, the processing going into foods versus natural foods? I, I feel, my impression is, there's much more processing going on today than ever before, historically. And my question is, what's the impact on processed foods versus natural foods.
2: Sure. Yeah, I think some folks will disagree with me, but um, I'm not a fan of the term process because sometimes processing is good, right? So if you you have to process wheat to get it in from the field and do something with it, right? Um, But preservation is probably a different word that that I would use. So there's a lot more fat and sugar and salt um, in our foods to, let's say, make them. so if I'm a French fry, it sits in the heat lamp at McDonald's, right? more fat I have on it, the more salt I have on it, the the better it sits. and it, it, um, the, the better it is when you eat it, right? So it mm-hmm. hangs out for a longer time. The more sugar and salt in our foods, the more preserved they are, the longer they last. And we've just gotten to be a society where we expect things to have um, to sit in our cupboards for a long time and still taste good, and we want to be able to ship them across the globe. Um, and, and have them still taste good. So there's a lot of things that, that we've done through, in the name of science, perhaps, to, to preserve foods. So, um, so yes, yeah, so natural versus processed foods or preserved foods. Um, I think one of the things I, you know, I always tell folks, you're looking for, you want to, you, I like folks to read the side panel, right? Read the nutrition label, which is not always something folks like to do. But if you're doing that, you can look for how much fiber is in foods, and if the fiber is there on the side panel, you know that it, it didn't get, I guess, processed out. So I hate for processed foods to get a bad name, but a lot of times processed is a, they try to categorize that. But um, natural foods, I would say more plant based diet.
1: That's a distinction I wouldn't have thought of making processed a, versus um,
2: just preserved.
1: Preserved.
0: Yeah. Yeah, There's, there's a, there's a lot of new terms out there like plant-based, but a plant-based meal could be just as processed as other meals, right? It might have the image of being quote unquote healthy, but it might not necessarily have a natural processing bent.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of criticism of, let's say a lot of the the, the Impossible Burger and a lot of things that you'll see even around time, a lot of the fast food places. Now they say, "Oh, we've got a plant-based burger. And the reality is they're really high in fat and high in sodium. And so there's, you know, there's an advice to say, hey, make sure you know what you're eating just because it's plant-based. Um, that's a great, it's a great point, Matt.
0: Yeah, and I think what we're also considering with our listeners, um, I'm, a, I'm assuming all of us collectively are not real experts on food. We just like to eat it, right? I do. But what we're really thinking about is the impact of that food on our gut and on how we feel. But maybe even more importantly is trying to understand the underlying theme or influence of these foods on the the gut health. Like for example, um, maybe Dr. D can talk about if I get a bacterial infection mm. and I take an antibiotic because my doctor prescribed that what's the impact of the antibiotic on my gut biome and how how what's the impact on that how long does it take to recover if I do lose something and then if you could speak a little bit to the different kind of colonizations you know in the gut like how many different strands of bacteria are typical in the gut
2: oh gosh wow the big question sorry
0: I'm a big guy
2: <laughs> um, your first question was about the about antibiotics yeah okay so I'll start there um, and yeah, don't get the impression that antibiotics are bad for you because I wouldn't want people who actually have an infection and really need to take them <laughs> to, to all of a sudden say they don't need them. So but they, you know medically, when you need to take them, there's also, you know, point of view that they're overprescribed. However, um, there's some research that has been done where they looked at um, participants in the study and they figured out, you know, a large portion of their, what was inherent to their own personal microbiomes? everybody's microbiome is different, you know, and what's what's a good makeup for you, for Dr. Rob is different than it is for me and for you, Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, but they looked at that and said, hey, a lot of the population um, had been wiped out, um, and it took nearly, I think six to eight weeks, two to three months maybe, for it to recover to its original state. Mm-hmm. Um, to maybe what would have been healthy at the start. Um, and then there was some evidence to suggest that it never quite gets back to normal. Um, now, that's just an observation. It doesn't necessarily mean that somehow you're damaged for life, right There's a lot of there's a lot of data out there that I think that has been collected in the name of the microbiome um, that we still have to understand, but there's a lot of, a lot of great information that points points us in a positive direction. Um, so I think yes, you know, when you need to take antibiotics, take them certainly. However, um, just be aware that you probably need to kind of focus on eating well, eating well for health, eating fiber, um, eating prebiotics. We might talk about that a little bit.
0: Well, actually, let's talk about that now because you're specifically yeah. referring to the kind of foods that we eat. Mm-hmm. And you are mentioning things like prebiotics or probiotics. Right. I remember um, about a year ago, we were over in Kalamazoo and we had gone to Earth Fair, a store on West kind of a health food Mm -hmm. store, kind of like Whole Foods. We'd like to go to that as well over in like Ann Arbor or something. But um, you kind of go there with the understanding that my food that I purchase here is somehow going to be better. (laughs) That's the mystique, right? And I remembered going back at Earth Fair over on West Nidge, and I had gone back on the left back side of the store. I had gone to the cooler section, um, not to find beer, but to find these collection of small vials of probiotics and prebiotics. And they had claims on the labels like, this, is going to, this has a bacteria that's going to help you sleep. This one has one that's going to help you with depression or anxiety this one's going to help you with, you know, a number of other mood issues or such. And so there's a lot of claims going out there and a lot of product being sold. I mean, the weight loss business itself is a $35 billion a year business. So there's lots of product out there that can be misleading. Right?
2: Yeah. And when you purchase products, let's say, if you're going to just buy a probiotic, which is the actual bugs themselves. So the probiotics are the actual bugs themselves. And The thought is, is you take the pill and those supplements are unregulated. So they basically can make any claims they want, Mm -hmm. right? They can make outlandish claims um, and get away with it. Yeah. Um, Can't do that in food, but that's a whole other story.
1: But there is no substitute for eating a healthy diet, natural plant-based diet.
2: It's a, it's, yeah, it's a great question because there's a bit of a, Not an argument, but it's probably yes and, right? So there's a lot of folks that believe in, yes, probiotic supplements when it's maybe warranted, right? Maybe when you're seeking a specific outcome, but there is a, a significant camp, which I am part of too, which would say, eat for your health. Don't try to put bugs in your gut that they may not be. They're not your bugs. They may not survive for a very long time. So I think that's kind of the knock on probiotics. You have to keep taking it and taking it repetitively. It's not, it's not like an antibiotic. <laughs> it's not something you can take and then say, okay, I'm good for the next five years. Um, you are much better off, like you suggested, eating a healthy diet, eating a plant-based diet, feeding your own bugs that are in your gut. That's what's best for you. And then that'll let the, the, good, the good population grow. Mm -hmm. So you want to feed your own bugs with fiber. You want to feed them. You'll hear the term prebiotics. That's essentially um, uh, molecules, if you will, compounds in your food that feed the bugs in your gut.
0: Mm -hmm. So we're really talking about, to Rob, your point, the diversity of the foods that we eat that I'm hearing Deanne say that you want to be healthy choices. So diversity in your meal plan. Mm -hmm. Um, Lots of diversity because you have a lot of diversity in your gut biome. Lots of strains, lots and lots of strains of different bacteria. And so eating a diverse diet is going to feed a diverse, you know, biome. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. And so, you know, we're not nutritionists, so we're not going to advise you on what you should eat. But Deanne has stated eating fibrous foods Mm -hmm. critical Dan, you made a, a comment last night when we were talking about a, stati- a stat regarding, like, one more serving of fruits or vegetables and, like, disease or mortality.
2: Oh, gosh, it was, um, I think it's if you, the, the study that was done, it was, uh, took a lot of different um, research studies that was done and kind of brought it together. I think they call it like an epi you'll know this, like an F- EPA epidemiological study anyway <laughs> there's a 95 <laughs> cent word i know hey you got a you got a phd you know those things um but they brought all this data together and said hey from all these studies if you eat five i think it was five to seven five to seven servings of fruits and vegetables a day um, you reduce your risk of death by all causes by 40 percent. that was staggering to me That's i was like crazy and so hard to do hard to eat five, even five servings of fruits and vegetables a day if you started counting and looking at what you ate. But I was like, why? Wow. Why wouldn't you do that? Like
0: we, I mean, if I'm being honest here and I'm, I'm pretty, my wife should know me well. She's known me for 30 years. Um, I'm a pretty health conscious guy. I mean, I kind of watch what I eat and I struggle to get five servings of fruits and vegetables each day. Mm -hmm. I mean, it takes work. For me to be intentional to do that, I'm much more inclined to eat bread with butter. Yeah. Butter's always better with yeah. bread. Everything's butter. Bacon. With butter. I like
2: bacon. Everything's butter with bacon.
0: Um, ice cream, which happens to be the, a, fairly com- a fairly common evening <laughs> routine at our house. Moville. there's another plug. Oh, my word. Mint chocolate yeah. chip would be my preferred choice. Butter pecan. Butter pecan um. for Rob. And then whatever Deanne's having, I usually snitch some of that as well.
2: Usually something with chocolate in it. <laughs> but as grandma said,
0: right, moderation. Mm-hmm. Moderation. Everything mm-hmm. in moderation, which is true. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's do this. Let's move into the next category um, of emotions. So this is where maybe the mm. behavioral sciences come in as they're starting to understand more about diet and mood states. Um Did you know that 95% of serotonin is made and stored in your gut? I do now. (laughs) Serotonin is that happy hormone. It is. Like dopamine. Yes. And melatonin. Yes. If you want to be mellow. That's right. You need melatonin.
1: That's groovy. There's a reference.
0: Yeah. I told Deanne I, I didn't get my weekend nap yet. Oh, I, I, I need some melatonin to, to have my Sunday afternoon nap after we get done recording this podcast.
1: <laughs> it's, it's
0: strenuous. Yeah. So the reality is Dr. Meyer reported in his book that I referenced earlier that in 1966, one in 10,000 children were diagnosed with autism. By 2010, it was 1 in 68.
1: Oh, my word.
0: You know, I, I have friends, many friends, who have autistic kids or ADD or ADHD, and I notice how the, the, the progressive parents are very active in watching their children's diet. Yes. So we know there's a correlation now, more than ever, regarding diet and diagnosable mental health issues.
1: There is a huge connection between what you eat, like this, the point of this podcast and how you feel. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think that can be refuted personally. No, there's
2: just, there's way too much research aside. There's way too much personal evidence, right? People who will literally personal testimony, right? That we'll talk about, you know, it, and it's, it's hard to eat good at times. There's a lot of it, good options out there, but you change your diet, it has a huge impact on how you feel.
0: So a real practical assessment tool being that we talk about personal wellness is, you know, we try to talk about, you know, practices like meditative or mindful exercises to be more mindful about what you feel in your body. Like there's such a thing. If you go to a functional medicine doctor, they'll have you go on an elimination diet and then slowly bring items back to find out how they're affecting you. So you can do your own little personal evaluation by just identifying, okay, I'm, I'm eating dairy or I'm eating eggs or I'm eating nuts. How do I feel when I don't consume this versus when I do? Again, do your own little study and then try to work your way. Your body's telling you what good food you need, and it's telling you what bad food you shouldn't eat. If we listen to it, if we
1: learn how to listen to it. Yes. Yeah. Seems we struggle with communication on a
0: number of fronts. You should listen to (laughs) podcast number three on listening styles. (laughs) Dr. Rob, you could listen to yourself. Yes. There's a large trillions
1: of bugs in your... Body trying to tell you something. Yeah, yeah. they're all
0: screaming. Yeah. They're all screaming at the top signaling, of their lungs.
2: Maybe even signaling. Matt yeah. and I were talking about this before about cravings. So there's a belief now, perhaps that that the bugs in your gut will be signaling you to eat ice cream.
0: Oh my word! The bugs that like ice cream. The
2: bugs that like ice cream. So if you think about, you want to have a diverse microbiome, but you want to have a you want to have more good bugs than the bad bugs. But there's a some research that would say, hey, the the bad bugs down there, they will signal you to eat ice cream. Mm -hmm. So it's not really my fault. It's It's the the bugs' bug's fault. It's the bugs' fault. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Throw the bugs under the bus. The bugs made me do it. The bugs made me (laughs) do do it. it. I'm going to go get an ice cream cone.
0: (laughs) Now, children, if you're listening to this (laughs) podcast, don't blame the bugs (laughs) to your parents, right? The bugs made me do it. The bugs made me do it. Um, and so no question from a mental health perspective or just a, an emotional perspective, we have clear evidence of, of the vagus nerve, which is the nerve that runs from the gut to the brain. It's what they call the superhighway, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, it's, you know, the gut nervous system, if you will, is its own nervous system. That's how amazing this is. And Dr. Meyer kind of talks about this being the forgotten organ, you know, the digestive system and how important it is. But um, last heading that we're going to talk about is the cost. Did you notice how expensive it is to eat healthy? I have. I have noticed.
1: And the food costs across the board appear to be going up.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I think if you looked at the foods that you buy that we consider to be healthy. And if you looked at maybe what you're getting, the number of servings, cost, et cetera, um, you might find that it's not necessarily true because I wouldn't want folks to, to walk away and feel like, wow, I can't afford I can't afford to eat healthy. I think what we've seen in a lot of cases in a lot of communities is there isn't enough healthy food available. So they don't have that a lot of communities don't have access to fruits and vegetables. I think eating healthy probably requires more work on your side to prepare um to to fix to chop things to cook them um, as opposed to buying it in a big frozen tray and thawing it out and
1: mm-hmm.
2: just eating it yeah, so it
1: requires more
0: intentionality
2: I think so, yeah, I think so.
0: Well, it's an expense like I can drive through McDonald's and go off the dollar menu mm-hmm. and get a really cheap meal that will be at least satisfying from a satiety perspective, like I feel full yeah and i I love their fries well, what I'm thinking, and I can spend less than five dollars you can
2: yeah,
1: but that's that's a temporary fix true. What I hear Dr. D saying is that in the long run the medical cost, the the, the, pay f- um, the the payment for me eating
0: poorly can be really high. Right. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Well, and the other part of a cost factor here is the time to prepare the food. Like, Probably significantly. Like to shop yeah. for the right food, to prepare mm-hmm. that food at home. In a, in a world of convenience, I mean, the convenience is being driven – for us to be consumers of negate the, the reality of me really being more disciplined to purchase, go to the store, uh, prepare the foods, yes. fix the foods. I mean, that takes time. And we don't have a huge time margin for that kind of luxury.
2: Yeah. I think it will be interesting to see people have found during the pandemic more people are working from home. They have more time. And what we've seen in the food industry is more people are cooking at home. So they are taking more time. And there's a thought that hey, we may not ever return back to the way it was before. And I think there might be a lot of people that would say, hooray. Right? <laughs> so I think a lot of people are actually enjoying mm-hmm. cooking at home and preparing, I think, what they feel like. They would also say, I feel like I'm eating healthier mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm cooking healthier for my family because I've had a little bit more time.
1: That's how they did it many years ago. Right.
2: Right.
0: You had gardens, you had farms.
2: Yeah. You,
1: Wake
0: up, dude. It's the 21st century. Yeah. That's well, like that's like your great 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 grandfather. It is. In like 1762.
1: 1761.
0: 61, my mistake. Yes. Right?
2: You mean eggs don't come from McDonald's. Oh my gosh. <laughs>
0: That's so true. Okay. Last thought, because our podcast is roughly about 30 minutes and we're a little bit over that, but it, it's a topic worth going over.
2: It's a big topic. It's a huge it is, topic. Yeah. And, yep,
0: and yep. yeah, another disclaimer, we're not trying to exhaust this topic. We're trying to have just a curious conversation about what this means to us individually, what it may mean to you, those who are listening. But what are some steps that people can take to improve their brain gut connection?
2: Probably the simplest one is to eat a more plant-based diet. So get more fiber into your diet. Um, Nine out of ten people in the U.S. eat half the amount of fiber that they need in a day. So men, women tend to need around 25 to 30. Men, 30 to 35 grams of fiber a day. So start counting on the side panel. But I would just say to everybody, if you could do one thing eat one more serving of fiber a day, either from fruits and vegetables or most people who get enough of the fiber they need in a day are usually getting it through grains. So whole grains or cereals or breads or crackers or things like that. But check your fiber grams on the label. So that is improving your diet is the best way to improve your um, the way the bugs impact that gut brain mm-hmm. access.
0: Good. Here's a curious question. I think, Rob, this was from you. Um, Is it possible to go from a bad gut to a good gut? I'm not talking like the beer gut. (laughs) I'm talking about the inside, right? We have a lot of people with the bigger, rounder stomach that are looking for sit-ups or something like that to address that. But we're talking about on the inside, is Mm -hmm. it possible to To bring a bad gut situation into a good gut situation.
2: It is. It is. And it's largely done through, you know, there might be some um, approaches that would say, hey, take probiotics to to do that. But you would definitely want to do it through eating better. So switching to a plant-based diet. And within a few months, you'll most likely see an impact and a shift in the, the types of bugs that are in your gut and then a shift in a more positive direction to the types of microorganisms that you see in people who eat a lot of plants.
1: Which would then correlate to emotional health. Yes. Once that shift is made, you start feeling yeah.
2: better. Yeah, yes.
0: Yeah, I would say probably one of our future topics could be, well, next episode is going to be on decision-making. Mm. And that's going to be important in terms of forming habits and you know, what's happening mentally that's setting me up to succeed in terms of decision-making on things like my meal plan. Yeah. Or, you know, other topics like what movie do I want to watch tonight? <laughs> or like
1: your point, what am I going to eat? What am I going like to Like, what eat? am I going to eat after this podcast
0: is done? Right. Right.
2: Don't choose ice cream.
0: Dr. Deanne, Don't is there, right is there anything that you had wanted to share that you feel is important that we didn't cover in our conversation today?
2: I think we've talked, not really, no. I think we've covered a lot of the great topics about what folks might want to know. And um, it's funny that you talk about decision-making because I think the decision is you have to choose to start to want to eat better. And I say start small, right? So start small. So eat one more apple a day. Right. Right, right. Eat a... A serving of bran-rich breakfast cereal mm-hmm. um, in the morning. Eat oatmeal, mm-hmm. you know, for breakfast, and start start noticing the change. So I think we covered a lot about diet, the microbiome, and its connection to mood. And
0: so. still a lot to talk about, okay. Doctor Rob. Any any final thoughts regarding this topic? No,
1: I like what Doctor D said. You start with small decisions because small good food decisions can lead to. Mm-hmm. can lead to better outcomes. Absolutely. And I would like to thank you. I've been looking forward to hearing what you had to say about this, and I'm really glad that you came And
2: Yeah, thank you. It's been my pleasure to be here and just share, share the good news about the microbiome. Hey,
0: could you give me a ride home today?
2: Um, I think I could. <laughs> it, I appreciate <laughs> that. It, it does
1: help we were able to get her because you two are connected, yeah. <laughs> husband and wife. <laughs> well...
0: We've had a great conversation today. Um, As I always say, it's always a pleasure to sit with mindful people who are thinking about the topics that we have been discussing. And um, so yeah, ditto, Dr. D, thanks for joining us. And uh, we look forward to the next conversation. Definitely. Next time, how to make decisions.
1: I'm looking forward to it. It took me a while to make that decision.
0: All right. Thanks for listening. Take care.